Welcome to the Destiny Youth Podcast. Destiny Youth is the youth ministry of Destiny Church based in Glasgow. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Destiny Youth Podcast. This is Matt, and I am joined by a very good friend and colleague, Pastor Dave. Say hello. Hello there. So, uh, Pastor Dave, not only are you uh, one of the pastors here at Destiny Church, but you also head up the counseling yeah. uh, services here at Destiny as well. Tell us a, a little bit about, about that. So the counseling services are two separate things. There's the counseling education, which is part of Destiny College, uh, where we train people up to diploma level, to the level where they could actually go and get a job in the secular world. It's not just a Christian qualification, although they get that as well. Right. And in the counselling service, which is run out of our uh, south side location, is a service into the community where people who could normally not afford to go and get private therapy can get good counselling from either a qualified counselling or someone in their final year uh, of study uh, just for a, don- a donation rather than having to pay a fortune for it. So that's the two parts of that are mainly my areas of responsibility. That's great. And would you recommend counseling for uh, people in the youth age? Well, yes. Um, Although I don't think that counseling should be the first port of call for all of my feelings. Yeah. I I think that, you know, there's there's pastoral work, there's things that uh, young people can do themselves before they head into the counseling room. I think that counseling usually works best when people just feel a bit stuck yeah. and they're really struggling with usually something emotional and often coming from maybe difficulties in their past and they're just struggling to get past it. There's lots of things that people can do before they sit in a counselling chair. If, if, if one reads the Word of God, there is so much help there. I found that when I'm praying well, my counselling goes well. Yeah, And I know that when clients that I've had are fully engaged in their uh, scripture reading and prayer, they move through the counselling process so much quicker because there's a spiritual element to all that we do. And any good counsellor, what I think would be a good counsellor, would be someone that would lead the individual back into that relationship with Jesus or help them to deepen it. Because often it can be superficial because it has to be more than words. It has to be something that's felt, something that is experienced. I think that's a, a big thing with with youth right now is they they don't care about the words. They mm. really don't. You could you could stand up there and teach them about a subject all day long, and that's fine. But when they experience the presence of God, when they feel the presence of God, it, it's a completely different thing for them. That's when it becomes real. Where it's like this is what I want to go after. This is what I'm hungry for, rather than a uh, coming in for a lesson. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and I I think it's so important that good counselors as well will not be uh, just giving words of counsel. Sometimes the old fashioned idea of of counselors go and get some good counselor. People think that's advice. Well, for me, I don't think I'm the expert on anybody's life. Mm. Uh, you're the expert in your life, Matt, and the young person is the expert in their life um, as well as God. And when we 
can work together in a way which makes that um, experience and presence of God even more real. For some people, um, they've never experienced that presence, that moment when they just know they're in a sacred moment, a sacred space. Yeah. And I know sacred seems like a very old-fashioned word, but I know what I mean by that. It's that knowing that God is present. And when, you, when you're when you in God's presence, actually, it, this might, might sound like a strange thing, but nothing really matters. It's just, yeah. you know, you're there and he's got it, you know, you yeah. just know that. And you just don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. Yeah. I know what, what it was like with Peter, uh, with Peter and, and James and John when they didn't want to leave uh, the mountain. They wanted to stay. Let's build three tents and stay here <laughs> with you, Jesus. And Jesus, of course, said, lads, come on, let's go. We've yeah. got work to do, yeah. you know. So there's both. We have to work, but the presence is vital. Yeah. It's kind of like that thing where uh, there was some sort of revival happening. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, it was happening in the UK, but people were staying at churches in the presence of God or at least seeking out the presence of God, but they were there for days. And it was like, bro, you got to go home and feed your kids. <laughs> like you, you got to go home and live your life. Like Jesus loves you. You should be hungry for his presence. But at the same time, it's like, you got, you got work to do. You got responsibilities. Amen. God yeah, expects you to go and handle that. Absolutely. I could talk about his presence and, and counseling with you all day long, but we, we will move on to, to the main point. Uh, today, we're continuing our series on connecting with God, and we're going to be uh, covering the connect personality of the traditionalist. So a traditionalist is someone who connects with God through symbolic acts, traditions, rituals, such as communion, and they also connect through remembrance. Uh, so you, when you remember what God has done for you, you feel closer to the Lord. And remembering can look like going back into your past journals and looking at what God told you in a past season, or taking communion to reflect on his body and his blood, uh, stewarding prophetic words, or partnering with the saints of past generations in celebrations and traditions. So Dave, I believe that this is one of the ways that you personally connect with God from from how I've seen you yeah. uh, interact with the presence of God. When did you find out uh, that this was a way that you connected with him? Um, I don't want to make it too long a story in, ter in terms of how I came to know Jesus, but I was brought up in a, I suppose, a traditional way with the Boys Brigade and the Church of Scotland and, and all of that stuff as a... I grew into my late teens and my early 20s. Uh, I became more interested in uh, symbolism and rite and ritual and became very interested in uh, what uh, what was happening within Catholic churches, not necessarily Roman Catholic, but Catholic-type churches that you would find in Anglicanism and High Anglicanism, mm -hmm. which are very, very close, and even Eastern Orthodox. And I found ritual very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, and not that I took on board all the theology, but I actually became very interested in some of the ritual and found that I could experience the presence of God through repeating some of the ritual. But the ritual is not the important thing. The important thing is 
the presence of God. It's not a magic uh, way of uh, of connecting with God. I think the word that you said there, you know, this idea of remembrance. Another word for remembrance for me is reflection, mm-hmm. and to be able ref- to reflect on what has gone, to be able to reflect on the word of God, and to reflect on maybe some of the symbols that we see. Christianity is full of symbols. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's only the traditionalists that have symbols, but we have symbols all over the place. Yeah. So the cross is a symbol. Um, the fish on somebody's car is a symbol. So there's lots of symbology around uh, Christianity. Some of it is taken a bit blasé. Oh, well, it's just like a badge that you wear, like, you know, going to a football game with a, a particular supporter scarf on, you know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really mean anything. But when we start to reflect on what does the cross actually mean to me? Um, and so sometimes I'll look upon a, an empty cross and think of the resurrected Christ. And sometimes I can reflect on a crucifix and think of the passion of the Christ and what he went through and the suffering he went through on our behalf, and that can draw me into a deep place with him as well. Right. I like to think of it as from the standpoint of history, because I I like to connect through remembrance, but I also love looking at the historical significance of why are we remembering through this symbology or through this practice. Um, And one biblical person that I think connected in this way was Moses. Mm -hmm. Um, In Exodus 25 through 31, we have seven full chapters of God giving Moses specific instructions in how to build the tabernacle. Yeah. So obviously the, the, the Lord says, build it to this exact pattern. Yeah. So the Lord loves patterns. He loves symbols because there's always something connected to it. Absolutely. And he, God just plays 4D chess. Mm-hmm. Like he, he exists outside of yeah. time. So when he gives you a symbol, it means something for now, it means something for the past, and it means something for the future. Um, like when you look at the process of going into the temple mm-hmm. where you had the outer courtyard, and then yeah. you come in and then there's the brazen altar where you would make the sacrifice it would forgive you of, of the sins because the sins were placed on the animal. Then you'd go to the basin, you'd wash, yeah. that'd be the cleansing. And then you'd go into the holy place. And then inside the holy of holies beyond the curtain was the presence of God mm-hmm. that only the high priest could go into. Yeah. So God literally laid out an entire structure, an entire framework of how to actually come into his presence, even post Jesus. Because we see with the brazen altar, you enter in, you're forgiven of your sins. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You're washed clean because of what he did. You give thanks. You go into the holy place and then you have the table of showbread. Jesus is the daily bread. He's, He's bread of life. You have the menorah with the seven flames, the seven spirits of God. God, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the incense, which was constantly burning, which represented the prayers. Mm -hmm. And now we have Jesus who is, and he's intercessing, praying for us constantly. Mm -hmm. So we saw that this was something that was laid out 
for the Hebrews at that time. And then it was something that was laid out for this is what Jesus is going to do. And then now it's laid out for us again of this is how you come into my presence because of Jesus. It's just, it's so deep. The whole tabernacle is incredibly deep. So as we, as Christians now, as we enter in, it has slightly different meaning, but the ritual can still lead you into a holy place. So, and so we enter as courts first of all with thanksgiving in our yeah. hearts. So, and on the, the very first part of the of the outer court is where the priest would sacrifice the animals. So now we don't have to sacrifice animals. Yeah, we have the crucified Christ, and His blood cleanses us. Mm-hmm. And so then when we come to the brazen altar, which is where the priests would wash themselves, cleanse me of all iniquity, would be one yeah. of the prayers they would say. Well, now we can say, well, even though Jesus has done that for us, I've still, I, I still sin in my flesh. Yes. And so you wash the flesh. And then into that holy place uh, that, that you spoke about with the seven aspects of God, which is also is also about the light of God. God is shining his light on us now. Yeah, the showbread is also uh, his word, because we eat the word of God, um, and so you've got the menorah, the showbread, and that incense, and that incense. You're dead right talking about prayer. If we do all of these aspects, or, or walk through this tabernacle prayer, if you like, mm-hmm. and pray in each stage, that our prayer by the time we're in the holy place becomes a sweet aroma. Can you imagine us being a sweet aroma to God? And then he opens the holy place and allows us in. Yeah. Allows us in to the very presence of God, where at one time only the priests were allowed. And I'm almost weeping as I as I say this, because we're right in the presence, the holy place. Yeah. uh, Where he surrounds us with his presence. That's when you don't want to come out. Yeah. That's when you don't want to come out. Amazing. I've just mentally and emotionally taken that wee journey there. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I I, I love it. And uh, I mean, most people, when they think about the tabernacle, they don't they don't know a whole lot about all the stuff that went into it or the instructions behind it. But one thing that a lot of people know of is the curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies was torn in two when Jesus died and paid for our sins. And that's what's so beautiful is if you don't understand the the symbolic stuff behind that, then it's just like, oh yeah, Jesus died and the curtain was torn. Yeah, It's like, okay, cool. But when you realize no one except for the high priest once a year, could go into the tangible presence of God. And now that's readily available to us because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And I'm getting teary eyed too. It's, it's amazing. Like we, (laughs) I say this all the time, but we're we're so soft as a people now and so uh, entitled, Mm -hmm. but we, we completely forget the lengths that people would have to go to just to get near the presence of God. Yeah. But now we can literally just say, Lord, bring me into the Holy of Holies with you. I repent. I love you. Thank you for your mercy upon me. Bring me into the holy place. And that's that's it. Yeah. 
we don't have to do anything else because Jesus already paid the price. Yeah, but there's something wonderful about reflecting on the process before you get to that holy place. Of course, we can go instantly because God's presence is in us, around us, and works through us. But there's something beautiful yeah. in the remembering of all that symbology and what it now means to us. Uh, thinking about the light of God, you're the light of the world. Jane, so I am. Yeah. You know, and the seven aspects of God, you know, all of those temperament God has given, equipped us. Mm -hmm. So in that process, there's an equipping. Yeah. And it's in that equipping, and then you come into the presence. And when we come into the presence, the the strange thing is, this is this is the strange thing. We can fight for all of this equipping, but when you're in God's presence, you don't need anything else. Yeah. You and when you know, when you know that you know that you know, even those times when you're walking with Him and you you're experiencing Him walking beside you, the symbology then doesn't quite matter as much. Yeah. Because you've came to the ultimate, which is the presence of God. Yeah. It, it's kind of like getting getting to heaven. You're not going to care about all of the no, symbology and everything. Yeah, right. But you're just going to be in his presence mm. and you're just not going to care. But there's always I I feel like in in the heavenly realms, angels are constantly flying around God, noticing different aspects about Absolutely. him and then shouting holy each time they pass. Mm -hmm. And so if if the angels who have been around him for however long it's been are still noticing new things about him every single day. They're still going throughout this same practice mm -hmm. each day of flying around him and worshiping him. And if that's what they're doing in heaven, I want to be doing that here yeah. on earth because I want to have that same revelation that these angels are having of who God is every single day here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 66 years of age and I am still discovering new things in the Word, new things of God. And I'm always remembered of an old poem I heard many years ago. And it, it goes like this. The older I grow, the more I recall how little I knew when I knew it all. Because I went through a stage probably in my early 20s where I thought I knew everything. And now in my 60s, I realise, actually, Dave, you don't really know very much at all. <laughs> Yeah, I I hit that stage about maybe four or five years ago. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, I am I'm I'm dumber than a bag of rocks. <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes to like scripture, because mm. you can read the same verse a thousand times, and then one day the Holy Spirit will just give you a revelation about the one verse that you've read a thousand times. Yeah. Yet on the thousand and first time, you get new revelation, mm -hmm. and then you'll get even newer revelation the yeah. 2000 and first time that you've read it. <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, that's why the, the Bible is called Living. Yeah. This is the only book that you can do that with. Yeah. The only book. Mm -hmm. um, it's incredible. Uh, so when you've been participating in a practice like communion or studying the historical significance of the Bible, when was a time that the Lord spoke to you and gave you a new revelation while you were going through, just like we 
we're, we're going through earlier, the walking through yeah. the tabernacle. When was a time where he just spoke something amazing to you? So this was a, a good number of years ago. I mean, something happens all the time. God's always revealing new things. In fact, just let me share first of all this morning. Um, I listened to a wee, I do a wee rit ritualistic thing. It's called Lectio. It's, so it's not the old-fashioned uh, uh, Anglican Lectio or Lectern, but it's it's daily readings. Um, and there's a kind of wee uh, song or a poem or something after it. Today, it was about this guy, Horatio Samper, I think his name was. I might have the second name wrong. But this was today, so I listened to this um, almost every day. I'd like to say every day, but I, I do like to listen to these sort of um, liturgical words. Mm -hmm. um, so liturgy just means something that's it's a service unto God. So I don't do it for anything else other than uh, as a part of my, my daily worship. Anyway, this guy was, um, he, he, he was British and had gone over to America and then he was coming back to the UK because D.L. Moody was speaking in mm. the UK. But because he had businesses, he sent his wife and his four children across in a ship. And on the way over, when his wife and four children, the ship got wrecked and his four children died and his wife managed to survive. He went over, his wife came back and then they went over on another ship back to the UK. And on the moment that they passed the place where his children had had drowned, he penned the hymn, All is Well with My Soul. I mean, <sighs> wow. Yeah. I mean, amazing. Amazing. All is well. Through troubled waters I yeah. pass. All is well with my soul. And so sometimes in troubled times, we think God's not speaking. And there he was. He spoke to that man and he wrote that beautiful hymn, All is Well with mm -hmm. My Soul. And then later he had three other children and him and his wife did very well. His final piece of business was after his his son died. Uh, this was his second lot of children. His son died and he decided he had enough of big business and went over to Jerusalem. And he was the guy that started the American uh, colony of Christians. Mm. in the middle of Israel. So that's the same guy in 1860s. So I was, that's a historical saint for me. Yeah. Right? They don't need, nobody has to call them a saint, but reflecting that even in our troubled times, God brings us to and can do something really special in our soul. So that was just this morning. Yeah. But I think my, one time when I really heard God speaking to me, I'd been in through quite a challenging time in ministry here, um, just there was just an awful, you know how ministry can get on top of us sometimes. You're doing just so much yeah. and the demands are great. And I think we just started the college courses and want to make sure they were right. Now, Dave, ministry is the easiest thing Oh, yeah. So ever. it's wonderful. So yeah. <laughs> I'd be, I do enjoy it, actually. I do enjoy the challenge, but it yeah. can be challenging at times. But instead of moaning about it, I thought I need to bring all this to God. So I like to go on retreats mm -hmm. because I'm working with people all the time. I like to get away into nature and into a quiet space with God. And I was going through a thing at the time because we'd just been starting the college courses here. 
wondering, you know, uh, is it good enough? Uh, am I good enough? And a wee bit of an imposter syndrome, I think I had, you know. Mm. Anyway, I was away on retreat and I'm praying. And um, I'll never forget, it was about this time of year. Uh, it was November and it was one of these drizzly days in Scotland. We have many of them. That soft, drizzly rain. And I was walking in the woods. And so this is another part of ritual, if, if you like, is getting out of what you do every day and go and find the presence of God because he's everywhere. Yeah. But to look for things where you can see the effect of him. So I'm in the countryside. I'm in deep woods. Um, it was autumn. All the trees, as you can see them just now, they were like a carpet of gold and yellows and browns on the carpet of the woods. There was a wee brook uh, going by and I'm sitting under a tree in this drizzle. And I start my prayer off in the usual way, God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for bringing me here for this beautiful place. And I was thanking them for the trees and the colours. And I said, God, this is amazing. And I sat in the quiet and I heard almost audible voice of God saying, Dave, this is nothing compared to you. Mm. Wow. Wow. And I was thinking, just prior to this, I'm not good enough. I've not got enough. Yeah. And yet God saw me so precious, so amazing. And I think, wow. So often we think God's there just to give us into trouble. Yeah. But he loves us so much. He thinks we're amazing, fearfully and wonderfully made by his own hands. How can we have a low self-esteem after that? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> ah, ah. It, this is something I I tell the youth a lot is, uh, and it's it's a it's a principle of no matter what somebody says about you or thinks about you, especially in in the face of like, I'm a Christian, and then they come at you and they're like, oh, that's stupid. Like Christians are dumb. You shouldn't do that, blah, blah, mm. blah, whatever it is. Mm. It's like, why would you care about the 10 second opinion yeah, of that person yeah. in comparison to the like billions of thoughts that God has for you? Yeah. It's like, who's the, who's this guy? Like God loves him. Yes, mm. he does. But he, I mean, what he said was moronic. Yeah. And it, it means nothing in the face of what God says about you. It's just when you have that fatherly look of, of God mm. to where he's like, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are beautiful, and I love you, and I'm proud of you. No matter what anyone says to you, they could say the worst thing possible Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. You when don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Really? You know, uh, I mean, my sometimes I can respond if, if I'm not in a good place. Yeah. I can respond out of anger. But most of the time I just respond with a, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> because it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter, you know. I'll just respond with, oh, how much can you bench press? <laughs> not more than me, brother. <laughs> Very good. So uh, when you have an encounter or when you have your entire your time with God, uh, how do you use tradition or a liturgical pattern or prayer to enter into his presence? I think, first of all, I don't think it's always necessary. I think mm -hmm. let's, it's not always necessary. Some people think you need to do that. I think very early on in my Christian journey, not having, although I had been 
brought up in the Church of Scotland. We never really went. I only went to the Boys Brigade. I never really knew that much about Jesus, right. to be honest, right? And so, and then I met Christians probably when I was in my my teens who could speak a lot of Christian words, and I didn't know any of them. And so I always fumbled over prayer, you know, and I can't pray out loud. And so I thought, I really don't know what to say. And that's where a liturgical prayer can really help. Yeah. And that it's, it's a pattern of prayer um, that as long as that liturgical prayer is taken from the Word of God, yes, which the vast majority is, um, as long as it's taken from, from the Bible, um, then I think it's okay. It brings us into, and I think it's the daily pattern, the daily habit. So that I use it very much because it can be, it's a, ha it's a good habit to get into. Again, just saying it isn't important or it isn't as important as being able to reflect on it and think about what it means. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a pile of words. And sometimes I, I find even in non-liturgical prayer, I hear people praying and it just sounds like a pile of words. Yeah. And think, what does that mean? What does that mean to that person as they say that? And often they don't know. They're just repeating what somebody else told them. That's equally liturgical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so... But it's an important, so that pattern of liturgy is important to me um, and that it helps me to get into a pattern. Also, so my pattern would be, I would read some scripture, uh, then read a psalm. And the psalms um, were written as poetry and song. Mm -hmm. So I kind of stop when I get to the psalms and I do this strange wee thing. I don't do it all the time. Um, but I do, sometimes I just feel like singing the Psalms. Yeah. I don't sing it to any tune other than one I'm just making up myself, you know, and I'm just, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. And I'll just sing that Psalm. And there's something about doing that that releases something Yeah. Uh, in me. And then I might finish off um, with something from a gospel reading. So it'd be a gospel reading at the end. And so that's a kind of wee pattern for me. Yeah. Um, as far as the singing thing goes, like I've been, I've prayed in tongues and then just felt a need to sing in tongues. Yeah. It doesn't happen all the time. Mm. It's, it's very rare. Yeah. But I know that whenever I have that come up in my spirit, I need to obey and do it because when I do something always shifts, yeah, it, it shifts the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, uh, cause I don't want anyone listening to this to think, Oh, it should just be, and it's it's like you said, you don't need it every single time. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't get into uh, a, a meaningless practice. Yeah. And it shouldn't be out of laziness where it's like, Absolutely. oh, I don't know what to pray. I'll just pray the Lord's Prayer. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't, mm -hmm. don't do that. Pray the Lord's Prayer, but really know what it means. Mm -hmm. Study what give us this day our daily bread means. Mm -hmm. And don't just repeat something. Um, and then when the Lord tells you to do something, if he tells you, sing this psalm, well, then by God, you sing the psalm mm -hmm. because he's instructing you. He's teaching you how to go deeper into his presence and how to shift the atmosphere around you. Um, with, with people listening to this who, who feel like they may connect in this way through the traditionalist or through 
remembrance, what would be your encouragement for them to start trying uh, to get deeper into their relationship with God? Yeah, I would start with buying it, just buying a daily devotional, just a very simple daily devotional. And don't read it like you're reading a book, um, but try and end, this is the best way to describe it. When you open up your wee devotional book, first of all, to become aware. And I think awareness is a big thing for me. Some people call it mindfulness, but it's much, much bigger than just some daft mindfulness practice. We need to be aware that God presence, God's presence is everywhere. Yeah. And we're just not aware of it. But he doesn't change. He's the unchanging God. And so if we can just be aware. So I'm coming into a moment here where I'm going to be reading some of his word. I'm going to be, it's called devotional because we're devoting this time to God. And so remember that what we're doing is not going, not a tick box exercise, but I'm doing something of significance. I'm devoting this time to God and I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to pray for him to teach me and he always does. And I'm also going to set my prayers, my supplications before God at this point and my thankfulness and my gratitude i think gratitude's the key though yeah gratitude's the key be thankful in all things be thankful with that awareness of god's presence um i wanted to go back to moses yeah because he when the lord instructs him to build the tabernacle mm -hmm. he says in exodus 25 8 make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And one thing I love about Moses, there's lots of things I love about Moses, but he was so after the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Like that was just what he was consistently concerned with was the presence. And then in Exodus 33, he says to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, then do not tell us to go. Because regardless of how good the promised land is, if God is not there, it's garbage. Absolutely. And that awareness is what we need whenever we go through tough times. Absolutely. It's like when you're aware that the presence of God is with you, it doesn't matter where you're at. Yeah. You have his presence with you. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters. And I think that there's something so significant to the Lord saying, so that I may dwell among them. Mm -hmm. I mean, could, you, could you imagine just in your life right now, not being able to have God dwell with you? No. Well, it wouldn't be life, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it really wouldn't be. And I've been in the place where I didn't know God and thought I knew what life was all about and, um, I really never had a clue but knowing and it's more than just a knowing it's a knowing that you know Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean by that it's quite it's, it's, it's an experiential knowing um, not just something that I've read out of the book and said like I know that two and two are four yeah I, I've experienced it you know um, and experience has the indwelling of his spirit and that indwelling of his spirit 
as we walk through the challenging times of life, if we, and one of the big challenges is staying awake, so staying aware of his indwelling spirit, because so often we can forget it yeah. and do our own thing and we go off course and wonderful God, he's always drawing us back, always drawing us back. Um, and, but I couldn't imagine life without him. I just couldn't. Yeah. Meaningless. Now there's a whole entire world out there. And Pastor Andrew actually said this morning, this statistic still just is shocking to me. What was it? Less than half of 1% of people in Scotland go to church. Yeah. So that's an entire <laughs> untapped market in a way to put it. Yeah. Of 99% of people are living their life without the presence of God, feeling emptiness, whether they're willing to acknowledge it or not. There's just this emptiness of, I, I'm trying to find fulfillment in all these different things and I'm not finding it. Mm. And to be without that is uh, just, it's unimaginable. And that really, when you break it down, that's the father's heart. That's the heart of God is I want to be with my children and I'm constantly reaching out to draw them in. Yeah. And I think what happens is that people f try to find meaning and attention. They put their attention into something else that actually they, they might not call it God, but they are worshipping something. Yeah. Uh, they don't worship nothing. It could be sport. It could be music. It could be some kind of hobby. Um, people in my own family, they go and do other things. One of them does politics, another one does something else. So that they create meaning. And life without meaning is even more difficult. And often those things that they thought had meaning for them falls apart. Yeah. And they've got nothing. That's a real dark place. And they've got nothing to hold on to. And sometimes I think that's the work and the mission of the church. Mm-hmm. It's when people have get, they've got nowhere to turn, and they're in those dark places. And we see lots of it in in areas of work like social action and stuff like that. But I'm not just talking about the poor. I'm talking about people who are who are wealthy and everything that they thought was the thing that was holding them together falls apart. Yeah. What an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, what an opportunity, and uh, and I think the mission of the church is to reach people and say, look. All of that stuff's great, but it's not God. Yeah. It's not it's not the real thing. <laughs> well, for this uh for the closing bit of this, uh, I thought we would take communion together. And then if you're listening to this and you want to participate in this, I highly encourage you to participate in this. If you're in the car, pause this, wait till you get home and you can get some communion elements. If you're at home, go grab them pause this, go get them, and then come back and join us in communion uh, together. So Dave, if you wouldn't mind leading us in the breaking of the bread, and then um, I'll lead us in the cup. I wouldn't mind if I could get the wee communion cup open. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't like this in the Last Supper. <laughs> so let's, if we just close our eyes and... Um, and let's just recognize that what we're about to do 
I wonder if we could imagine that we were in that room with Jesus prior to him going through the Kidron Valley and then on to Gethsemane and finally to his death. So at that last meal that he had with his disciples and he took the bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which is given up for you. And so let's just take the bread. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For your broken body. And if you have your, your juice, go ahead and hold that above your head. The power of the blood of Jesus is the highest authority. Mm. So symbolically holding it above yourself and saying that this authority is beyond me. It is above everything. And when Jesus said, take this cup and drink, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. The blood of the perfect sacrifice that would cover all sin all of the sin that we've already committed, all of the sin that we're going to commit, it was all covered by a perfect sacrifice. And we thank you, Jesus, for your obedience to go to the cross for a people who did not deserve it. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice. And by that sacrifice, we are able to enter into the presence of our Holy Father. Hmm. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for sharing that with me. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you for, for doing this. Let's just uh, pray really quick over all of those listening. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we have the, the means to share your words beyond just a room. We have the means to share your words through all this technology for many ears to hear. And Lord, may all of these words be words from you. None of this is for our own benefit. None of this is to make us famous. It's to make you famous. We love you, Jesus. And we ask that anyone listening who feels like they may connect with you through some sort of symbolism or uh, liturgical prayer, whatever it is, Lord, would you speak to them would you instruct them in ways to connect with you? Just like how when you speak to me and you speak to Dave, sing this psalm, sing in your prayer language. Would you instruct them on ways to come closer to you, Lord? Father God, we thank you with great blessing on everyone who's listened to this uh, broadcast today. God, may they find a way or find new ways of coming into your presence, God. Lord, we recognize that you are indeed always with us. Help us to open up our minds and our hearts each day, to be aware of you guiding us, to be aware of the good things that you want and continue to bring us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 All righty. Thank you for joining me uh, on the podcast today, Pastor Dave. It was amazing. <laughs> to all of you out there. It's been a joy. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Okay.